You are listening to the VBAC Link Podcast. This is episode number 74, and we have our friend Summer with us today. She has quite the journey to share with you. She said that when she got pregnant with number three, she started listening to a birth story podcast and started searching for VBAC birth stories, and it came up the VBAC link. Yay. (laughs) And she said, I was instantly hooked after hearing Megan's story and listened every week since then. Thank you, by the way. We're so excited. <laughs> That's so good. So we're excited. She's ha- she had some crazy stuff going on with big moves and everything. So we're so excited for her to share her story. But of course, before we get too much into her story, we have Julie with the review of the week. Before I read the review of the week, I've got to tell something really kind of silly about the review of the week. So today we're recording clear back in what is this month june June. it's clear back in june Mm -hmm. all right is when we're recording this episode and the funny thing is when um it's a wednesday and today's episode that like went live today it was episode number 57 and summer t who we're on the phone with right now was the review of the week today (laughs) i heard that too and i was so excited (laughs) like we didn't even thank you for your sweet review yeah it was a really good one so if you um haven't heard her review after you're done listening to her birth story go back and read her review because it's just kind of funny how things happen like this sometimes we love it all right but this week's review is from unhappy gg fan and i don't know who gg is we hope you're happy we hope we hope you're happy this review is a happy review so so unhappy gg fan we're glad you're happy with the v-back link and this is what she says I found and started listening to this podcast a couple of days before my due date. I was walking a ton every day to try and encourage labor, so I just binge listened to these episodes one after the other. My due date came and went, and I got more worried about having a successful VBAC. I kept listening to these episodes while I walked for hours every day. Fast forward to 12 days past my due date when my water finally broke, right at the beginning of a massive storm and flooding in my city. My doula was unable to make it to my labor and delivery due to flooding on her street. I know. And the stories from women on this podcast truly acted as my virtual doula. As I labored for 16 hours, I thought back to the many guests. I thought of things I had heard and learned as I pushed for an hour, and then my son was born. I truly believe that listening to the stories shared on this podcast helped me have my VBAC. I think I could thank every guest whose words gave me strength, but I will just say it here. Thank you. This podcast truly means so much to me now. A must listen if you are preparing for a VBAC I got goosebumps. You guys, I'm not usually the emotional one, but like this last week, I have been an emotional, just a big basket of emotions. Mm -hmm. I'm like, got chills reading that. It makes Megan and I so happy when we get reviews like this from you. So if you haven't already, go drop us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Facebook and leave us a review. You can just Google the VBAC link and our business will come up right on the side. You can leave us a review there because it's reviews like this, like knowing that we're making a difference, just one person's birth at a time that really, really keep us going and really help us bring you even better content from even more amazing people like Summer today who found the podcast Mm -hmm. because it was on Apple Podcasts where she, I don't know if you, I got your review from Apple Podcasts or Facebook. 
Where, that I read where today. do you listen, I, Summer? I think I did it on both, actually. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, then, I listen, perfect. I actually listen on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Ah, cool. Yeah. Did you know we're on Spotify? That's like the hip new thing. Did you know? Like all like the, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm like on the very, I'm the very oldest millennial. Like mm-hmm. you have like the range of millennial <laughs> age and I'm like the old one. I'm like the grandma millennial. So I can't even <laughs> call myself really a millennial. I feel like I'm just lying when I say that. But like it's really kind of the hip thing for millennials. So like, do you guys listen on Spotify and give us a little heart? I think you can heart the podcast or mm. add it to your favorites on Spotify. So go give us some Spotify love too, if that's where you listen. But anyways, we have a nice little intro for you before we get into the story. <laughs> you are tuned in to the VBAC Link podcast with Julie Francom and Megan Heaton. VBAC moms, doulas, and educators here to help you get inspired for birth after having a C-section. Together, they have created a robust VBAC preparation course along with this uplifting podcast for women who are preparing for their VBAC. Although these episodes are VBAC specific, they encourage all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a cesarean from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here are your hosts, Julie and Megan. All right. Welcome, welcome, women of strength. We really cannot wait for Summer to share her story. So, Summer, would you like to tell everybody about your crazy journey and moving and everything else? Yes. Okay. So, I'm Summer, and I'm originally from California, but um, we currently live in South Carolina, and I'll get kind of into why and how a little bit later, but um, I can't really talk about my VBAC before I talk about my C-sections first. So uh, my story actually starts in 2014, and my husband and I had been married for about six months, and we had just purchased our kind of our forever home, and so we decided to get pregnant, which happened right away, (laughs) and I just kind of chose a well-known OB provider that a couple of my friends had used. And uh, her office was known more for high-risk pregnancies. I don't know why I thought that I needed a high-risk OB, but it sounded like a really good idea at the time. So I never interviewed any other practices. I never researched, like, the C-section rates for specific doctors or anything like that. I just assumed that since I was healthy, I would have a normal birth, just like, you know, my friends and family and everyone else. So I never heard of the word doula before. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and um, I just, I, I kind of thought that birth center births were really kind of hippie, even though I never visited one. I was just kind of judgy like that. And um, a lot of people are, read about, people just don't know. <laughs> they just don't know what doulas are and what birth centers are. And it's totally fine. We forgive you. <laughs> yeah. And like I had read about home births, but don't even get me started on how hippie I thought that was. But um, I've obviously <laughs> hey changed my mind since then. <laughs> but just, <laughs> just like. Just then, you know, everything was just cut and dry of what I had. I had this huge plan of everything that was going to happen. And so, like I said, I had a a healthy pregnancy. I didn't gain a ton of weight. I was group B strep negative. I passed gestational diabetes. Everything was good. And so when I was about 19 weeks pregnant, I, I had been walking quite a bit. And so I took a walk to visit my friend that lived. She lived about a half mile away from my house. And so... I walked to her house, we hung out, it started getting late, 
and I had to work the next day. It was I was a teacher, and it was the last day of school the next day, so it, it was getting dark, and so instead of walking back home, I decided I would run back home kind of as fast as I could, <laughs> and so the, <laughs> the next day, it was um, right before lunchtime, and I was um, with my students, and I kind of felt like a, a gush of fluid. And so I kind of just had the students go ahead and pack up. Yay, last day of school. We're leaving early. Have a great day. Have a good vacation. Bye-bye. And so I went to the bathroom, and my underwear were super wet. And so I started freaking out, like, my water broke. What's going on? I called my doctor's office, and the nurse was like, I'll talk to your doctor, and we'll call you back and see what we want you to do. And so um, I went to the secretary and told her that I needed to go. It was a minimum day anyway, but the nurse called back and told me to go to labor and delivery and tell them that I needed a non-stress test done and to have them check if I was leaking amniotic fluid. And so I went straight to the hospital from school and um, went to labor and delivery, and they said that since I wasn't 20 weeks yet, I was 19 weeks, that they couldn't help me at labor and delivery that I had to go to the emergency room instead. And so um, I'm not sure if that's a rule at a lot of hospitals, but that was just what they told me at the time. And so I didn't even think also to call my doctor and ask them. I just kind of listened and was going with the flow. I went down to the emergency room. I waited for, it was like over two hours thinking that, oh gosh, I, my water broke. You know, I, I just didn't really know what to think. And so once I was called back, everyone was just kind of taking their time, like it's no big deal. This person is kind of freaking out for no reason. They didn't do an ultrasound. They didn't do a non-stress test. This random, like, male ER doctor just came in and was like, I'm going to do a pelvic exam on you, and then check the baby's heart rate. So he checked the heart rate, did the pelvic exam. He was like, oh, the heart rate's a little low, but that's normal at this point like it, it, they, it was just kind of random like I, I didn't really know what was going on it was kind of a blur but nobody really seemed worried about it and so I followed up with my OB the next day and he was super upset with kind of the way they handled it they said that they should have let me go to labor and delivery but either way that he said that since it didn't seem like it wasn't amniotic fluid that it shouldn't be a big deal but he put me on modified bed rest just in case which it was the last day of school, so I, we, I was technically on summer break after that. So it wasn't that big of a deal, but I was a, a high school agriculture teacher at the time. Oh, and wow. so we have our, our county fairs over the summer. And so that's like our busiest time. Aww. So I, I had students raising pigs and sheep and cows. And so over the summer, I would go to their houses and help them weigh their animals and kind of meet with the students the whole summer. So even though like most teachers have a summer break, we don't really, that's like our busy time. That's not fair. So I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's not fair, but it's, it is a lot of fun. So I, I, I still got everything done, but I was just really careful with everything. But when I did that once a week, but the other days I would just kind of sit at home in the recliner and do lesson plans for the upcoming year because I knew that I was going to have to take two months off once school started. So I basically spent like most of the summer just laid out in the recliner. <laughs> so good for which you. I did not know. Yeah, I did not know that was not quite a good idea though. <laughs> but um, school started in August. I'd never had any other issues. I was due October 26th. 
and uh, I plan to kind of work up until as close as possible to that date because we were putting on some events at school. And so I just kind of was going with the flow with everything. Um, my husband and I took the generic hospital birth classes. I, and I, I feel like this is so cliche and everyone says it. And every time I listen to someone's story, I want to yell at the the radio or yell at my phone because it's like we we all say like oh I went to the hospital birth classes I zoned out when they talked about C-sections yeah and that's, that's seriously what it was and I actually used to be like super judgmental about people who got C-sections like I kind of thought that it was their choice unless it was an emergency if I heard that someone had a C-section I was like oh well you know they just did that because it was convenient and I I just kind of thought that I was too good for a C-section, basically. That sounds terrible, but that's just kind of the way I thought of C-sections. Well, nobody ever thinks so, that they're going to have a C-section, like as a first-time yeah. mom. You just think, oh, C-sections are only it. for people who are broken. Like, and, I, and I'm not broken, so why would I need to worry about C-section? Yeah. Yeah, and now, like, whenever I, I have friends that are pregnant for the first time, I'm like, let me tell you all about C-sections and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, I kind of probably scare them into different things, but it's like you need to, you need to know that that isn't, you know, that could happen. And so October rolled around. I started going to my weekly appointments, and um, I went to my 39-week appointment. I think it was like a Friday. I was only dilated one centimeter. Nothing exciting, you know, happened. And so it was like two days before my due date. I was cleaning the house, and my water broke. I mean, they always say it's not like the movies. It's not a big gush, you know, but it really was. It was like I was cleaning, and it I had to clean some more because my water broke all over the floor. But um, my provider, doctor, had given me a a paper, and it had a list of the different reasons to go straight to the hospital. And having my water break was one of those reasons. Mm. And so I didn't really know what else to expect. I knew this time that it it was my actual water breaking. And so I think it was like 2 o'clock that day and I called my husband I told him to come home from work he was working about an hour away and so I wasn't having any contractions at that time so I just told him to take his time but come now I called my parents I told them what was going on I was like don't freak out we're not going to the hospital yet but you know just to let you know what's going on so I got in the shower and <laughs> while I was in the shower I heard like a banging on the door I was like what in the world's going on it was my mom she came and she was like super frantic about everything. She was trying to like wash the dishes that I had in the sink and she was pacing back and forth. And I was like, mom, I'm fine. Everyone, like everything is fine. Just like take a breather or something. Like she was take freaking out more take than I was, <laughs> which I'm sure <laughs> happens to a lot of people. Yeah. But yeah, my husband got home and we went straight to the hospital. Um, when I was signing in at the hospital, uh, my OB doctor name was Susan and the name of the doctor they put on my admission bracelet was Susan but it was a different last name and so I was like who who's this Susan (laughs) they're like oh well this is the on-call doctor your doctor is not the one on call well this is not one of the three doctors that were guaranteed to deliver me I had met with three doctors the whole time and this was not one of them and so I questioned it, and they're like, I don't know, it's whoever's on call. And so that kind of threw me for a loop, but I was just going with the flow. Didn't really think anything of it. I was like, I'm sure she knows how to deliver a baby just as much as the next person. So we got in the room. The first nurse that I had, she was probably in her 50s, and she was just kind of a negative person. I don't know if she had a long day 
or what, but she didn't believe me that my water had broke. And so she said that she'd have to test me, which was fine. And so she, she tried to do like tests for the amniotic fluid and it tested negative or it didn't show up. And so I knew that my water had broke this time though. I know I had a false alarm before, but I knew that my water had broke. And so she went ahead and did a vaginal exam and she told me I was only two centimeters dilated. And so she's like, well, if your water didn't break and you're only two centimeters, you have to go home. You're not having contractions. You have to leave. And so I was like, Mm. what in the world? You know, I I just didn't know. I didn't know. Now looking back, I'm thinking, well, I probably should have just gone home. So she left, and right after she left, I felt another gush. And so I was calling down the hallway, hey, 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 you know, it, come test me again, test me again. So she tested me. It was amniotic fluid, sure enough. And so they admitted me. My parents came up, and everything was just kind of going slow, like low-key. I kind of was joking around with the nurses and just joking around because um, that night it was in the middle of the World Series and the San Francisco Giants were playing and we're big Giants fans. And so we were just kind of watching the World Series and I, you know, I was comfortable and nothing was, I knew I wanted an epidural. I just thought that that's what you did when you had a baby because you didn't really want to feel it. So (laughs) told them I was eventually going to get an epidural. And so at six o'clock, so I had been there like for two hours and Six o'clock, they came in and they um, wanted to start me on Pitocin. But it was like the on-call OB doctor came in, introduced herself, talking to the nurse, and then was like, okay, we're going to start the Pitocin. Like, it wasn't ever like, oh, nothing's happening. Let's go through your options. It was just that, like, the nurse was already setting up the IV while the doctor told me that they would start Pitocin. And so looking back, I'm like, why didn't I ever question that? But Either way, when when she mentioned the Pitocin, she said that most women, if they're going to get an epidural, they go ahead and get it before the Pitocin kicks in because the way the nurse said it, she's like, you're not going to want to feel these contractions. So I was like, okay, well, let's let's go ahead and do it then if this is the time to do it. You know, I didn't use my brain. I know the benefits, risk, you know. Yeah, the um, acronym. Number eight. Yes, I didn't use that. (laughs) Sometimes we forget our bra. Sometimes we do. And yeah. that's, if you, yeah, that's what Megan says. If you forget, if you, you forget, lose your brain, don't, don't forget, forget your, your bra, bra or something like that. Yeah. So benefits versus alternatives. Yep. Yeah. Yes. And so <laughs> I just assumed every, I was just going with the flow. Like I wasn't sure what to expect. I had friends that had had lots of babies and they all had normal, normal births. And so I just thought that this was the next step. And so it probably around eight PM, so I was there for maybe four hours. The epidural had kicked in. I was just hanging out. I didn't. I don't think I realized also at that time that it numbs your entire lower body. Like mm-hmm. I could not move my legs without picking them up. I just thought it kind of made you not feel the contractions, but I didn't know that it made you also not walk and you know yeah. all of those things. Aww. So <laughs> I, you know, it was what it was though. And they, we were watching the baseball game. And around probably like, I think it was 10 o'clock PM, my husband and my parents figured that, you know, they finally, I think, understood that this is going to take a little while. So they went downstairs or down, yeah, downstairs in the hospital to get a cup of coffee and something to munch on. And so it was like right after they left, a nurse came in to check me again and she was like, oh, you're complete. 
And so, like, <laughs> what? <laughs> so, yeah, so I guess I just needed to relax a little bit to dilate a little bit more. But I think she said something like the OB was taking a nap or I don't know, it was something like that. So they're like, we're just going to do some practice pushes. And so I was excited. I was like, all right. So I, I called my husband and I was like, hurry up, hurry up. We're going to push the baby out. Hurry up. We're, we're pushing. Come, 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 you know. And so he ran back with his coffee. And I couldn't feel anything. The nurses had to put my legs in the stirrups. And after the uh, my husband, everyone got back. We got ready to go. And the OB walked in, and she seriously looked like she was half asleep, like that this was inconveniencing her nap Aww. or something like that. And so um, she watched me push through, um, like, two rounds of pushing. And she checked me. And I, I kid you not, she these were her words. She was like, yeah, the baby's not going to come out. What? And I, yeah, I looked at her. I was like, what? Like, I started freaking out because I thought she meant that the baby was going to die or something. Like, the way she, it was just the way she said it, super dry, you know? Mm-hmm. She didn't say why or anything. She just was like, you know, it's not going to come out. And so I was like, what do you mean? And so she said that it was stuck, that the baby was too big, my pelvis was too small. How long? So you hadn't even really started pushing long? Like, No. She just said that she was like, uh, you can push all night long and it's not going to come out. That is just. And I. Wow. What a jerk. (laughs) I know. And so I was like, what? Like, I'm looking back. I'm like, she had. She she wanted to get back to her nap or something. I don't know. You know how you like double yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Right. Like it had only been thirty minutes of pushing. Like it wasn't even. I don't know. I don't know if she thought I wasn't gonna last. I don't. I really don't know. I was healthy. The baby's heart rate was healthy. She just said that it was too big and that it was stuck. Wow. And so um, yeah. So looking back, it was posterior is posterior and I didn't know that term I didn't know that I didn't know anything about that I just I just understood that he was stuck and so she said that she's like I highly recommend we just go ahead and do a c-section and so I, I was heartbroken I started crying and it was just the way she said it like you can push all night long it's never going to come out um, and then the heart rate's probably going to drop and then it'd be an emergency c-section anyway so it's better to do it now before any of that happens. Like, you know, like the fear factor. I hate and that. So, I hate doing anything like just yeah. in case. Let's do it just in case your placenta starts to deteriorate. Just in case your baby's too big. Just in case. That's not a good reason to do anything. Oh, it just makes me so sad. Yeah. And it's like I got the feeling that she just wanted to go back to sleep or something. I don't know. It was just kind of like I was just a mess. So I, I, I was like, I just want to talk to my mom. And so I feel bad because I think my mom thought that she was coming in to meet the baby. <laughs> and so she, like, came in all smiley. And then here I am, like, a wreck and crying. And she's like, oh, my gosh, what happened? Mm. I'm like, they want to do a C-section. And so she went into kind of, like, comforting mom mode. Like, that's okay. We'll get the baby out. You'll get to hold it. It'll all be fine, you know. And it, it just kind of, like, upset me because I didn't want a surgery. I had my appendix burst when I was in right out of high school. And just the recovery from that, it, the pain medicine made me sick. The anesthesia made me sick. I just, I didn't like the idea of a surgery. And so I just, I didn't know if there was any other options. So I just agreed to the C-section. 
And I know that so many other women go through this, but it was like when the nurses, I think they were interns, they came in to prep me and they're just like kind of laughing and chatting away. And like, they, it was just, I was crying in a mess and then like, shut up, you know, but they, they did the C-section and it, same thing that so many other women say, like the conversations that the doctor and the anesthesiologist have, that, you know, just about random things that their weekend or whatever, they're listening to random music and um, it just is, it wasn't the best experience, especially for a first time mom, you know, and we didn't know the gender of our baby. And so I was kind of expecting this big moment when they pulled it out, like, oh, my gosh, it's a girl or it's a boy. And so, like, I was waiting and waiting because you can't really feel what's going on. And I see them pull the baby out and she's just like boy blah 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 blah, and she starts talking Aww. about like the cord and and like all of these different facts and figures about different Jeez. things and so like you know i kind of want to punch this lady moment. right now and megan doesn't yeah. ever want to oh. punch anyone <laughs> she's making me grumpy oh seriously yeah. that is oh so hard yeah yeah and so they um took him away to clean him off and weigh him like i wasn't ever offered skin to skin i wasn't offered which i it, I looked back and I didn't have a birth plan, One, you know, another one of those hippie things to me. I didn't have a birth plan or anything. So I didn't like think, you know, I didn't know about these things. And so I just thought that everything they did was normal. Well, once they took our son away, the OB was talking to the anesthesiologist about my uterus, not clotting or pl- plumping back up or I don't know, something like that. Clamping but it was down, like they yeah. weren't explaining. Yeah, they weren't explaining to me what was going on. They were just kind of talking to each other. I don't know if they didn't want my blood pressure to go up or what. Anyway, they brought my son over. My husband took a selfie. We took a selfie with him that where, like, half of us is cut off. And then he left and went with the baby and to wherever they went. And so that was at one thirty in the morning. So basically, I checked in at the hospital, super healthy and fine at 4.30, or no, like, probably 6 o'clock in the um, evening no it was 4 30 sorry and then I had him by 1 30 by c-section with no complications or anything and so that was just kind of frustrating yeah and so in recovery I was alone and my husband had took the baby took our son and um, I didn't know this at the time and I, I it still makes me kind of cringe and I feel bad about it but like, while I was getting stitched up and everything, my husband took the baby, and it was after visiting hours, but he was able to take him to the waiting room to where my parents and his parents were. And so everyone got to hold him and take pictures with him and everything. And I hadn't got to hold him yet and take pictures with him yet. And so I, I don't mean to still be bitter about that, but I kind of am. And I don't mm-hmm. think it's something that I would well, ever yeah. really be able to get over. Me either. You know? Like I, my husband, my mom, and my mother-in-law all held, all held my baby before I even got to really yeah, look at right. him. Yeah, I had the same yeah. thing with my first. I was like half asleep because like my eyes were so swollen and I couldn't even open my eyes. And every single time I did, a new person had my baby like passing her around the room. And it was really hard. Yeah. And so like I didn't even see anyone for like five, four or five hours. I They took me to the new room and I was just kind of out of it. And so I had asked where the baby was, where my husband was. And so the nurse brought in the baby. And my husband came in and he, he um, handed our son to me. And it was like, as soon as I held him, I started feeling really dizzy and nauseous. Like I, I couldn't control myself. 
And so I basically had to shove my son off to my husband, and then I just started throwing up everywhere. Mm. And um, I think it was from the um, epidural or the anesthesia Mm -hmm. medicine, whatever that they gave me. I don't know. I just felt like I couldn't control myself, like I couldn't sit up. It was weird. It was so weird. And so, like, my first experience with our son, I just, I can't, I couldn't even take care of him and hold him. And so, it actually happened, like, two or three more times. It would be like, I would hold him, and I would just start getting sweaty and dizzy, like I was going to pass out, and then I would throw up. And so, that whole, that whole situation, like, the whole time in the hospital, we weren't taking, like, happy pictures or anything. I know that more people like people have way more traumatic experiences than I did it I just look back and I just I still cringe at the whole situation like it it, I just feel like the whole birthing experience was just kind of taken away and um oh I forgot to say that my baby that was too big he was six pounds nine ounces (laughs) oh my gosh yeah I hate that (laughs) and he was born the day before his due date so it's not like I was overdue it's not like anything like that and so I feel like a baby that's that small would have come out pretty easy posterior even like it would have been work but like I feel like those little yeah. teeny babies have an easier time coming out posterior, even if he didn't rotate during well, labor. And I feel like that, like you said, like or you felt cushion. like the chance, Sorry. the opportunity was taken away from you. I feel like it was taken away from you before you could even begin. Yep. Like it. Yeah. Yeah. You just like never it was got like a, a chance. Friday night. I'm like, you know what? That was just a bad thing going there anyway, because it was like a Friday night. The World Series was on. My it wasn't my doctor. It was just like a, mm. the whole situation. Walking into it, I feel like I was just so blindsided. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. But um, anyway, so that was number one. And it was right before my son turned one, we decided to start trying for baby number two. And so um, I knew I didn't want to go to that same practice at all. I just wanted to avoid it at all costs. I didn't like yeah. the way that they dealt with me. Um, so... I had heard at the time, once a C-section, always a C-section. And so basically, I started looking for doctors who were known for doing good C-sections <laughs> and, oh, and not yeah. leaving big scars, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. She's come so, found um, to our doctor. <laughs> My yeah. Megan's doctor did our C-sections. <laughs> yeah. He's complimented yeah, so, on his cesareans. Yeah. Anyways. Exactly. Sorry, that was kind of a yeah, joke. Yeah, so um, <laughs> I went to this new doctor, and um, they gave me a due date of August 20th, 2016. But then when they did the ultrasound, they couldn't sense a heartbeat. And so they scheduled me for the next week to come back. Well, that was like the longest week ever. Yeah. And so I went back, and they did find a heartbeat, but they said that the baby was measuring August 23rd, not August 20th, which... Didn't seem like a big deal at the time until they wanted to schedule the C-section. But um, Mm. anyway, the OB came in and chatted with me, and he was talking about the C-section, how they'll schedule it at 39 weeks. And I had never heard of the term VBAC before. I think kind of in the back of my mind, I was hoping that since he was like this well-known doctor, that he would be open to letting me try to have it naturally. But he 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 did kind of bring up like that they don't do uh, vaginal births after cesareans because his hospital, which was right next door, they have a ban due to insurance. And mm-hmm. so 
that was the only hospital he delivered at. So, so I, sad I really to hear people are still it. doing that. Like, and the it's probably liability insurance won't cover yeah. this. Yeah, it's dumb. Yeah. yeah, it's awful. And that was just a VBAC after one C-section. Yep. And so they, I, I wasn't too upset about it though because I think I kind of knew that going into it. Um, but I, I liked that office because my old office was notorious for running late. They'd be like 30 or 45 minutes late every appointment. And this one, I would be in and out like in five minutes. I'd go in, they'd do my blood pressure, ask if I have any questions, and that was that. And so wow. I kind of liked that, but I'm like, why, why did I like that? But that whole office had eight different doctors. But mm. since I knew I was having a C-section, I went to the same doctor every time. Yeah, because you can just schedule it. Be, yeah, exactly. And so they also had, like, this satellite office with a couple doctors. It was a huge practice. And so uh, I think it was, like, 32 weeks. My OB went ahead and I picked the date for my C-section. It was, um, was going to be August 18th. And I remember asking if I can at least go into labor on my own and then show up and do the C-section. And that was like a big fat no. Like it was almost humorous. Like why would you want to go into labor on your own? And my thing was just that my son was full term and he was only six pounds, nine ounces. If we take this one a week before, especially not knowing exactly like the the due date, if we take it a week before, then what if it weighs five pounds? And I I just didn't want to do that. I wanted to go into labor on my own, but that was no, 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 no. Hmm. So anyway, as, as I started getting closer to my due date, that was when I found the ICANN chapter or the ICANN like Facebook page. Um, just because I was looking for support, I knew I would have to have another C-section. And so I was looking for support for after I had that C-section. And so I kept seeing women ask about VBACs in the ICANN page. And so I kind of just vaguely started researching it and it's ironic because my doctor went out of town it was like mid-july i think i was 36 weeks pregnant and so i saw a different doctor from the same office and i saw them at their satellite office which was actually closer to my house and so i just asked him i was like have you ever done a VBAC? like do you do VBAC? and he was like um yeah i actually i consider doing VBACs. i don't mind doing them and he mentioned that he does them at a different hospital because their regular hospital had the ban. And mm-hmm. so I was kind of like, would you consider doing, you know, being my provider for a VBAC? And he was like, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind doing that. And so I just had this light bulb go off in my head like, oh, so many possibilities. And, and wait, so wait, how far along I, were you again? 39 weeks? I was I was 36 weeks. Oh, 36 weeks. That's still that's still really kind of huge to change providers at 36 weeks. A lot of women don't yes. do that. Yeah, and my doctor just happened to go out of town. So I'm like, this was just meant to be. And so mm-hmm. I this this doctor was super awesome. He was just mellow. He was just like, yeah, it's no big deal. I'll I'll do it. No, you know. And so since it was the same practice, he already had all of my records and everything. So it wasn't like I had to like officially fire my other doctor, I mean, I, I just kind of stopped going to him and hoped that the new doctor would tell him. <laughs> like, there you go. Sorry. I love it. Which yeah. is kind of the easiest way sometimes. And um, a lot of women, they don't change purposely because they are nervous to, like, confront that doctor. So it's just nice when you can be like, hey, get my records. I'm just going to stop going to you, you know. Yes. And so I just started, like, researching everything to do with VBACs. I remember being on my phone, like, late at night till 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, just, like, trying to find as much information as I could. And I remember, like, 
being excited and, and telling people that I was going to have a V-back. And I remember people just saying, like, why? You already have a scar from a C-section. Why would you want to mess up another part of your body? Mm. Or, like, if you couldn't push out a six-pound baby, what makes you think that you couldn't push out, oh. you know, anything else? And so, so I mad. just kind of, it was all negative. And I don't think yeah. they meant to be negative. I think it's just, you know, They're it's uneducated. So rare. It's not really. Yes, exactly. And so my first, I got my hospital records and um, my son, it said CPD, the cephalopelvic disproportion. And so, um, my gosh, my, I can't believe new- she put that on you without even allowing you to push. Yeah, that's what she put. And the new doctor looked over my records and he didn't even ask to see them. I was just like, can you, can you look at them? Like, is, can I have a V-bag? You know, and he looked over and he's like, I don't really see why there's a reason why you wouldn't be able to have a successful V-bag, you know? And so I started going to a chiropractor, which this chiropractor wasn't Webster certified. It was just a basic chiropractor. I started drinking red raspberry leaf tea, taking evening primrose oil. I just started doing anything and everything that I could that showed to have, you know, a V-bag or have a, a healthy birth, basically. So after, after I switched, I did start looking into doulas from the ICANN page. I started seeing that that was a popular thing to do, but I just kind of thought that it was too late in the game. We didn't have V-back link in 2016, <laughs> way back now. So I didn't know, like, all of the, the benefits of having a doula. So I just kind of went, I just still went in it blind, but I was still confident because my provider, the new one, was so confident in me. And so I never really worried about uterine rupture. I more so worried about a repeat C-section. Mm-hmm. So I, two, I see, two days before August 23rd, two days before my updated due date, um, it was a Sunday, and um, my husband was taking a nap, and my son was playing with me, and he kind of jumped on me, and my water broke again, and <laughs> nothing happened, and I was like, this is where Megan, when I heard your story, I was like, mm-hmm. that happened to me too. My water broke, and I didn't feel a single contraction. It's, yeah. I, was, I was so upset. I was like, no, why is this happening? And so I... This time, I didn't rush to the hospital. I woke up my husband, told him kind of what was going on. He took my son to his parents, and I just kind of started to, like, relax. I bounced on the ball. I took a shower. I just kind of wanted to get into birth mode more so than, like, frantically rushing, you know, anywhere. So we we took kind of like a marathon walk all around town. We probably walked a few miles and just trying to get something going. And I did not feel a single contraction. Mm. So I was at that point is getting late in the evening and looking back, I'm like, I should have just gone to bed that night, but I was kind of curious to see what I was dilated at. And so I told my husband, let's just go ahead and go. We'll get something to eat on the way and we'll go ahead and go to the hospital. And so we got to the hospital and my OB wasn't going to go in that evening. He he gave me, like, he, he was so awesome. He gave me, like, his business card with his cell phone number on it and was like, give this to the nurses. Don't let them get any on-call doctor. Give this to them and tell them to call me on my cell phone whenever you go into labor, and I will I will talk to them. And so that's what happened. And we went there and got all checked in and that night nothing was happening so they told me just they took my vitals they checked me I was only one and a half centimeters so uh, nothing was happening they they never said anything about a 24-hour timeline after my water broke luckily and I had I had just 
wanted to go to sleep that night and they said, just go to sleep. Don't worry about anything. We'll talk in the morning. And so, um, the next day I had awesome nurses. My OB came to visit and they, he was talking to me about starting a low dose of Pitocin and I had, I had read up on it. And so I was okay with that. So they started me low on Pitocin. Um, they started upping it as the day went on really slowly. And that night, probably like eight o'clock at night, I started getting pretty strong contractions. And so I was walking around and rocking and, and bouncing on the ball. And it was like I had an hour of good contractions and I got excited and they just started slowing down again. And they checked me and I was only at two centimeters. <laughs> so that was 24 mm-hmm. hours and I was only, I had gone half a centimeter. So they brought me a sandwich to eat and it was the most delicious sandwich ever because I hadn't eaten anything all day. And I, I just, they just told me to they'll turn off the Pitocin and told me to try to get some sleep. Well, I didn't sleep at all that night. And so the next day we were going on my water being broke for over 40 hours and they weren't too concerned about it, but my OB came in to check me. And I, at that point, after my water had been broke for over 40 hours, I was only three and a half centimeters. And that was after having Pitocin and walking, you know, moving around, trying to change positions. Baby was still at negative two station. And so it was almost like, I don't know if it was transverse or what. It was just like, it was way up in my ribs. It was just like it never dropped. And so the nurses were really trying to help me do different positions and spinning babies and all these different things. And we tried everything. And my water had been broke at that point for 48 hours. And I was still only three centimeters. Mm. And I, I just felt defeated at that point. I was exhausted. I hadn't yeah. slept for two days. There, there was no progress at all. And I just broke down and started crying. And, like, you know, it, it's just not going to happen. And my doctor, he, he was such a saint. I mean, he was driving all the way across town. He would go see his patients and then come back and check on me and then go meet with patients and come back and check on me. So I, I started feeling bad about that. I felt bad that my husband was sleeping on the little uncomfortable chair, you know, in the hospital. And I just kind of was over it at that point. I just, I remember just like crying, like, why won't this baby come out? Like, why am I broken? So I just, I just was like, you know, I'll just do another C-section. I I don't mind. Let's just get it done. I, 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 I was tired of feeling defeated. And so, um, I, this time I had stipulations. I said, I want the spinal to not make me as sick if that's possible. I want skin on skin. I want them to announce the darn gender as loud as possible, even if the people in the next room have to hear it. Yeah. Um, I wanted them, yeah, I wanted them to talk to me about what was going on and not about their weekend. And then I told my husband, I want you to take as many pictures as possible. I want the baby with me in recovery. And so they were super agreeing about everything. Like they were, they, they really were accommodating because, you know, this is like a big deal to me. And so we had a girl and she was seven pounds, three ounces. So not super huge. But what my OB had said was that she was just kind of tangled in her cord, that it wasn't wrapped around her neck or anything. She was just tangled in it, and that's why she never dropped down, why she was kind of stuck in my ribs. So I don't, I really don't feel terrible about that C-section. I mean, I, it sucks that I had to have another one, but I don't, I don't, I'm not hard on myself about that one like I am the first one. So we talked about having a third baby, 
And um, before we got pregnant, I just started researching and researching because I, I was adamant about having a VBAC after two C-sections. And so I called and I sat with a few doctors and multiple doctors wanted to see my records and they found everything wrong. Like, oh, it looks like you only had a single layer suture, so you cannot have a VBAC, it's too dangerous. Or, oh, it looks like your baby, you didn't dilate this last time, so you can never have a VBAC. And it was just, they came up with so many different reasons not to. And I called doctors from Fresno. I don't know if you know much about California, but from Fresno to Sacramento to San Francisco, I was just calling around asking if I could meet with a doctor to talk about a possibility of a VBAC after two C-sections. And so I just kept getting no, 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 no. And so I did end up finding, I think it was three or four doctors and two different hospitals that would consider it. And the closest one was about two hours north. And so I was okay with that. I was okay with starting to to do that. I was going to start driving two hours to appointments. I wasn't pregnant yet, <laughs> but I, I, was, I, I was ready to start trying. And so um, we actually didn't get pregnant right away. Um, after, I think, five or six months of trying, we didn't get pregnant. And so we just kind of gave up on trying because we, it was at that point, I think it was like January of last year, 2018, that we started talking about moving to South Carolina from California. And so we just kind of put the whole pregnant thing on hold, and we said that we would go ahead and move and not worry about a baby at this time. So fast forward to July, we, we were planning to move in August. So in July, we actually found out that I did get pregnant with number three. And Yay. so, we we're yeah, we were excited. But at the same time, I was like, crap, I'm going to move to a totally new state. I don't know. We, we had some family, but I didn't know anything about doctors, hospitals. Plus, my husband's new job insurance um, wasn't yeah. going to kick in for oh a goodness. couple of months. So Stressful. I was like, let's. let's yeah, let's start figuring this out. And so before we had even moved, I joined the local, the Charlotte, North Carolina ICANN page. And I found a birth center about 90 miles from where we were going to live in South Carolina that was known to do VBACs after two C-sections. And so I was excited about that. We moved. So this is like a couple months later. I was three months pregnant in September, and I went ahead and called the birth center to make an appointment, and they said that they could no longer do VBACs after two C-sections. So it was just kind of a recent decision that they had made that they were going to stop doing them. So I was upset about that, but then they said that there was a doctor nearby in that same town that does them, and when the birth center clients need a hospital transfer, this is the doctor that they use. So he's oh. super supportive of birth center births, super supportive of hospital transfers. And so I uh, made an appointment with him right away. I drove my 90 miles, almost two hours there. Mm-hmm. And he was, he, was, he was okay. He was supportive. He said that he would be willing to do it. The only thing is that drive got super old fast because it was like I had to try and figure out what to do with my kids. And it was just, it was just, it just got really far. So I, with the local ICANN Facebook page, I found a new, a new practice. Well, the practice isn't new, but 
for me, it was going to be new. But they had like five OBs and three midwives. And that that was the practice. And they all worked together. And they they did feedbacks after two C-sections. That was a new thing for them. But the only thing is, the whole practice had to agree that they would, uh, you know, support a woman's wishes to do a VBAC after two C-sections. Like, it wasn't just like, oh, you see this doctor, but, oh, but if this doctor is on call, then you might not get it. They all agreed to it. And That's so, kind of cool. Um, I like that. Like, Yeah, it super neat. Yeah. And so I was five months pregnant at that time when I was transferring. And so I wasn't even sure that they would take me on as a client. But um, my first appointment went great. I met with a midwife. She said that she would talk to the rest of the doctors and um, the other midwives. And my, at my second appointment, they said, yeah, let's do it. We don't see a reason why you wouldn't be successful at it. They never asked for my previous records. They never asked about or questioned about C-section. Like if you, if you get to 39 weeks or 40 weeks, they never said anything like that. So I was super excited. I started just kind of blindly researching everything VBAC. I started to, I found your podcast and was listening to that religiously. And I started reading books and I found a chiropractor, different, your, your birth affirmations. I was, um, kind of memorizing and I just developed I call it the the dream team of birth because that's what it ended up being I just started step by step figuring out who things would you know who I would do things with and so like I said before I thought that doulas were kind of strange and hippie and expensive and weird but there was a um, meet the doulas event that was going on. And so I told my husband, I was like, we're not getting a doula today. I just want to go and kind of see more information. And so while I was there, there was this doula from Australia and I fell in love with her. She was the coolest, like most bad a lady ever. And, um, it's okay. And so you can say badass. I, it's not explicit. Yeah. So I told my husband, I was like, this lady's the coolest. The only thing is she was like double the price tag of some of the other ones. Like I was like, this is like a mortgage payment. And so I told my husband, I said, I loved her, but you know, maybe we could go with one of the ones that are learning and you know, that's like a little bit cheaper. And he was like, no, if you're going to get a doula, we're going to go with the doula because if if you have to have a third, he said this the nicest way, if you have to have a third C-section, I want to know that we did everything in our power to not make that happen. Aww, you know? Boom. That's awesome. So, Can you like fist bump him yeah. for us? Because we love it when husbands <laughs> are supportive like that. Like you just give him a yes. fist bump or a high five from us because it's amazing. <laughs> Yes. So that actually ended up being my Christmas present. I got the duo for my Christmas yes. present. <laughs> Love and that it. was our, that was, yeah, that was what I asked for. And that was what I got. So she was super awesome. My chiropractor was Webster certified and she was awesome. I was going to her twice a week and she knew all about different things. She would even, she knew all about like spinning babies and birth fit and, you know, different things like that. And so I was exercising every day and eating healthy. And I, I, I memorized all of your statistics about risks and benefits and everything, anything and everything. Like you throw any, a question to me about VBACs and I, I knew all about it. And so I was, I was praying every night about this just to keep me healthy and keep the baby healthy 
And my husband, you're right, he was by my side throughout everything. Even though, like, he saw me fail at two natural births, he was like, no, let's do this. You're going to do it. I have faith in you. So, anyway, my parents came into town a week before I was due because they were still in California. So, they flew in, and they had been here for a week, and I still wasn't in labor. And everyone was kind of like, are they going to go back home? What's going on? So anyway, I was um, my 39-week appointment uh, midwife finally talked me into getting checked because she had offered each time. She's like, no pressure, but I was like, no, I'm not going to get checked, not going to get checked. So at my 39-week appointment, I went ahead and let her check me, and I was three centimeters and 75% effaced. So I was super excited because this was already way more than the second birth. And so she offered to do a membrane sweep. That was like a Thursday, I think. She offered to do a membrane sweep. And I said no because I was terrified that my water would break again because I forgot to say my second pregnancy, I had a membrane sweep, and then my water broke the next day. So anyway, I said no, I don't want anything, nothing, nothing, nothing. Everything's going to happen on its own. So anyway, the weekend went by, and my parents' time here was starting to get, you know, shorter and shorter. And so I kind of started to feel pressure to get things moving. So I called on the Tuesday after, and um, I was like, let's just go ahead and do a membrane sweep after all. So I went and got the membrane sweep. I thought my water would break any second. It never did. And so the Thursday was my 40-week appointment. That was, like, my actual due date. And my mom went with me to the chiropractor first, and I still hadn't felt any contractions. My water hadn't broke or anything. And I went to my midwife appointment, and she just kind of talked to me about options. She checked me, and I was uh, four and a half centimeters at that. Yeah, I was four and a half centimeters on my due date. And so I felt good that I had even progressed one centimeter over the weekend. And so she she was like, here's your options. We could, A, do nothing. You just go home and rest over this next weekend and see what happens. B, we could do another membrane sweep and maybe trigger some contractions. Or C, I could just go ahead and break your water right now. And so even though my whole pregnancy had been healthy, I was just so terrified to do any type of intervention, like breaking my water or anything like that. So even though I felt like I was ready for labor, like I you know, had progressed, I was an hour from that hospital and my husband was still at work. And so I would basically have had, if, if she did break my water, I would have had to drive home for an hour, wait for my husband, drive back for an hour. And I just, I didn't want to risk having the baby at home. And she kind of laughed. I remember her laughing and saying, you know, having a baby at home isn't the worst thing that could happen. You know, you, it's fine. <laughs> it happens all the time. And so I, I just was like, I don't know. So I didn't want to not do anything. But since my parents were going to be leaving soon in a few days, I didn't want to wait too long. So I was like, you know, I just go ahead and sweep my membranes again. Let's see if we can trigger some contractions. And I set up another appointment for the next week. And so drove home and I started feeling contractions on the way home. And so I was like super excited. I would start timing them. And I texted my doula and told her that I started feeling contractions. And when I got home, I just laid down and took a nap. I text my husband, hey, I'm having contractions, but let's not get too excited. And so my husband got home, and by that time, my contractions were pretty consistent. And they were they were five minutes apart at that time, but they weren't super painful, almost like period cramps still. And so I 
I remember one of the midwives saying, you know, since you're a VBAC after two C-sections, go ahead and come after your contractions get to five minutes apart. So I went to the hospital. My husband went with me, obviously. Um, we got there, I think, around 4.30, and I was in triage. And um, the nurse there was asking, oh, do you have any other kids? I said, yes. And she's like, oh, okay, both um, natural births. I said, no, I had two other C-sections. And she's like, uh, wait. So you have a C-section schedule, don't you? I said, no, I don't. I'm going to have a VBAC. And she's like, no, you're not. What? I was like, yes, I am. And she said, no, if you've had two C-sections, sweetie, you're going to have another C-section like that. Like she was just super sweetie. rude about oh. it. And, yeah, sweetie. And I was like, um, no, like here's my midwife's name. Here's my doctor's name. And right at that time, I kid you not, the the blood pressure cuff was on me, you know, and so it took my blood pressure for the first time, and it was it was one seventy seven over ninety seven. Oh my and gosh! I had, because yeah, you were pissed had, because of this yes, nurse. I had had awesome blood pressure my whole time. Like even earlier that day, I had perfect blood pressure, and. She was like, oh, so you have high blood pressure. And I was like, no, I don't have high blood pressure. And no, I'm not having a C-section. Like, I just started freaking out. I was like, I just need to relax. I just, I, I started, like, getting my cards out and reading my birth affirmations. And I was like, can you just turn off the lights? I just need to listen to my music. Can you just, you know, go away and come back later? So I texted my doula and was like, here's what's going on. You need to come now, you know. And so, like, 30 minutes went by and the blood pressure cuff, automatically came on no one was in there but it came on again and my blood pressure had gone down like tremendously and I'm like Good. okay everything is okay my husband was like my blood pressure's up too like I'm you know <laughs> going crazy too because he knew what was going on and so then the crazy nurse came back I'm gonna call her the crazy nurse she came back and she checked me and she's like yeah I, I don't think your cervix is ready it's still like kind of um hard um oh I think maybe you're three centimeters and I was like well I was four and a half centimeters earlier so my midwife can come check me like can you page my midwife and come check me and blah 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 so then she started like kind of talking to me about different options and this and that and I was like yeah I'm gonna have a natural birth and she was like <laughs> like she just kind of laughed at it <sighs> like, oh my god so my yeah. my doula came at that point and was like just smell it well you know it, it's okay and so my midwife came in and uh, she checked me, and she's like, no, you're five centimeters. Do you want me to go ahead and break your water, or what do you want to do right now? And I said, no, I don't want you to break my water. I, I went in a room. They went ahead and let me go in a room, and I, I was bouncing on the birth ball and um, doing spinning babies, and I went ahead and pumped also. And so around 10 o'clock that night, I got checked again, and I was six centimeters. So I had progressed a little bit. I was 80% effaced and uh, a negative one. And I was having consistent contractions, but they weren't super painful yet because my water hadn't broke yet. Mm-hmm. And so I was just kind of going through them. I wasn't tired yet. A few hours later, I think it was like 2 o'clock in the morning, they checked me again. I was still at 6 centimeters, but she was like, your cervix is super stretchy, but you just uh, hadn't progressed anymore. And so I was like, you know what? It's 2 o'clock in the morning. Nothing's happening You know, for a few hours. Let's just go ahead and break my water. And so my midwife, she was awesome. She was on top of it. She was like, you know what, I'm feeling the baby's head, and it's head down and everything, but 
the chin is tilted up just a little bit. She said, let's, before I break your water, let's go ahead and use the peanut ball and kind of rotate sides and see if we can get that t- chin to tuck down. So that way, when I do break your water, it applies pressure on your cervix. And so, what an amazing midwife. Um, yeah, yeah, she was so, she was like, awesome. that is really, and, really awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was like, I was so frustrated. And then I, I was upset because I'm like, you wanted to break my water. Now you don't want to break my water. Like, what's going on? Just break my water, you know? So, um, like an hour and a half later, it was like three thirty in the morning. She came back in and checked me, and she's like, "Yes, baby's chin is tucked. I feel like it's in a good position, so I'm gonna break your water." So she broke my water, and after she broke my water, she kind of was feeling around. She goes, "I think you're already seven centimeters, so there's progress. We're doing good." So, a couple hours later, I was still seven centimeters. I was having consistent contractions, but. I I was still like kind of feel like I felt like everything was still going a little slow and so she didn't pressure me but she's like we could start some pitocin just to get things a little bit going and I was like no I don't want pitocin I don't want anything else I already let you break my water no 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 and so a couple more hours went by I think it was like seven o'clock in the morning I was still seven centimeters and so I just kind of started crying I was frustrated because in my mind I thought like any interventions I was causing a C-section. Just from my other two births, I thought mm-hmm. Pitocin was going to equal C-section. And so she just kind of sat down with me and, and processed things. She's like, let's talk about this. Pitocin is not a death sentence. I, I you know, we're, we're going to go slow with it. It's just because you're on Pitocin, I'm not going to speed you up and make you, you know, hurry up and have this baby. Let's just try it if you want to and see what happens. And so my husband was like, I think you should do it. You know, let's, it's fine. So I got the Pitocin started. They started it at like one or two, and then they went up like one every hour. They did it very slow. And so that caused the crazy contractions, the Pitocin contractions. So I was trying to labor on the toilet and do this and do that. And by that time, I was exhausted. I hadn't slept in two days, and I was upset because the contractions were hurting really bad, but I didn't want an epidural. But by that point, I was just so exhausted and so frustrated that my doula was like, you know, nobody's judging you here. If you want mm-hmm. to get an epidural, you know, it's it's not, you know, it's not going to... You don't have to sudden, prove all anything. Of these things, yeah. Yeah. All of these things are not just going to give you a C-section again. And so I think I just had to do this, like, mini fear release at that mm-hmm. time and just kind of go over my options And so that was like nine o'clock in the morning. I decided, you know, I'll just get an epidural. I felt like I was failing at this whole like all natural be back, you know, because I had the Pitocin and the epidural. It just wasn't going the way I had planned. But no one else seemed concerned except for me. And so I got the epidural at nine o'clock in the morning. I was still seven centimeters. They gave me the peanut ball again. And I just took a nap. I took a nap from like 930 in the morning until 1230 um, noon. And so I woke up, they called the midwife in, she checked me at one o'clock in the afternoon, she checked and she goes, you're complete, let's push. I was like, what? Because I had the epidural, I didn't know what was going on. She's like, yep, you're 10 centimeters, you're complete. She goes, let's get a push cart in and get ready to push, you're going to have this baby. And it, gave me, it still gives me chills now. And I, I still didn't believe it. I was like, I'm not going to think I'm having a VBAC until this baby, I'm holding the baby. Because I still couldn't believe that it was going to happen. And so so I started pushing at 2 o'clock p.m. And 
I pushed for two hours. Of, they turned the epidural off so I could feel, you know, the, the pushing going on. And he just started inching his way out. And I started getting kind of frustrated because I was exhausted and tired. And they said, no, look, you're crowning. You're crowning. Your baby's right there. Look at Your baby has blonde hair. And they showed me the baby crowning, and I was just so excited. And they are like, three pushes, and it's out. Three pushes, and it's out. And so instead of three pushes, I just kind of went crazy and, like, primal and, and loud. And I just, like, grunted really loud and pushed out in one giant push. Whoa. And it came out from being crowning, came out in, like, two seconds. Oh, and my gosh. I was like, what? in the world you know and so they um put them on my chest and I remember just feeling around and I was like I feel a penis (laughs) I was just super excited about the whole thing but in the meantime the the midwife was just kind of going a little bit she was kind of like stressing out just a little bit and she, a couple other nurses came in, and so I'm holding the baby, and I'm like, oh, yay, you know. Well, a few more nurses came in, and there was just kind of like a panic going on. And so, like, right about that time, I was starting to feel dizzy. And so I handed the baby off to a nurse. I, I didn't try to nurse or anything. I didn't try to breastfeed, do skin on skin. I just handed the baby off, and I just kind of like, it's it's all kind of a blur from there. But what happened was, I thought at the time my uterus had ruptured because everyone was just kind of freaking out. And my midwife just kept saying, like, I don't know where the blood's coming from. I don't know where the blood's coming from. Page the doctor, page the doctor. Yeah. And so it got crazy really fast. And so, like, I I thought I was dying at that point. Like, I I didn't know what was going on. I was just kind of, they, they upped the epidural again to make it to, I don't know, make the, uh, pain stop even though I was kind of in the zone like I didn't know what was going on I just kept asking like is my baby okay and they're like yeah baby's fine one nurse was like eight pounds five ounces which is two pounds bigger than my first (laughs) over yeah two pounds bigger 22 inches long big baby but I I still didn't really know what was going on and so the nurse uh, a different nurse was trying to get a new IV in my arm because I just kept losing blood they couldn't figure out where it was coming from so the poor nurse was just trying, she tried three or four different spots and could not find a vein. I think she was panicking. I was panicking. I couldn't hold still. My husband's holding my hand, like praying for me. Doctor finally came in and I was shivering and dizzy and I felt like I was going to pass out. And she just started like stitching. I just remember feeling her stitching me up in like down below. And so the anesthesiologist came in and he was able to get a vein and he had blood ready for a blood transfusion. And I guess what had happened was because my uterus didn't rupture, they did, they did knock that out. What happened was since I didn't deliver him slowly, like the head and then the shoulders and then the rest of the body, I just kind of shot him out that I had some like lacerations everywhere in me, I guess. Plus, I already had, what's it called, thrombocytopenia, where, like, low platelets? Yeah, I'm not and quite so, sure. So, I, I just wasn't clotting. And so, like, a ton of blood was just coming out. But they slowly started stitching me. Like, they took care of it. They weren't, like, I, no, nothing else had to happen. They were just stitching me up for probably an hour of, you know, getting the blood taken care of. I had a third-degree tear, which was kind of crazy. <laughs> I had I hemorrhaged. I had a postpartum hemorrhage. 
But, like, looking back after the craziness went by, I don't regret it at all. I mean, it was it was crazy and a 24-hour labor from start to finish, and I never knew what was going to happen next, and things went slower, and things went faster, and it was just crazy. It was crazy, and I, I, I would do it all over again. I really would. I, even though I lost that blood at the end, my baby was healthy, and I recovered. I, it took like two weeks to recover from the tear and from everything, and I still take iron every day just to keep my, my blood healthy. But yeah, I, I, I tell everyone I know. Like I, I always mention your guys' podcasts and how. Like I said, when I was in labor and each time they would do like the water breaking, like whenever she wanted to break my water, I would go on your blog and try and search for like, like other people who had a VBAC successfully and had their water broken or like the Pitocin, I would search Pitocin and try and find stories that where people had a successful VBAC, even though they had Pitocin or, you know, so I appreciate what you guys do and your blog and your VBAC. And I appreciate all of the other women. I, t- I said this in my review that you read all of the other women who shared their stories. Cause it's like all, everyone's story. I feel like contributed to my story. If that makes sense. Yeah, it totally yeah. does. We are so grateful that you had the experience that you did even that little like traumatic part at the end, but it felt like you were very much in control um, of your birth and that you had a provider that really let you lead what was going on with you. And for all our listeners, we actually have a blog all about the things you want to look for in a VBAC supportive provider. And it's called five things you need to know about your, your VBAC provider. And it's on our blog right now at the VBAClink.com slash blog. So make sure you go and um, give it a read. It has some downloadable content, some questions for you to ask your providers. And um, it's really going to set you up to know exactly if your provider is VBAC supportive or just VBAC tolerant. Um, It's really important for you to know. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you, Summer, for sharing your story. We are so glad that you're here with us and we are so glad that you are following along with us um, throughout your journey. Yes, thank you so, so much. Interested in sharing your VBAC? Head over to thevbaclink.com slash share to submit your story. For information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to thevbaclink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.